Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil from the farmer of fury. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are here. Uh, we are not going to be removed. We are not going to be silenced. We are not going to be closed down. We are, of course, uh, the biggest and the best radio station right here uh, in this very big building overlooking the River Thames. And, of course, throughout the course of this particular show, between now and one o'clock, we'll be taking loads of calls from you, the listeners, the people who count, the people who actually have great ideas about how to fix the problems in this country, the people who absolutely know for sure what it is that they want from their politicians. And I'll tell you what I want from my politician. What I want from my politicians are three things. I want honesty, I want integrity and I want reliability. Now when I was watching Question Time last night I have to say I did not see much of that from very many of the people on there but I did see it from Alexandra Phillips uh, who is one of the new MEPs for the Brexit party. I thought she performed terribly well. I thought she had a sense of humour. I thought she had a sense of purpose and I thought uh, she actually was quite an entertaining person to watch. What I was not very pleased about was Fiona Bruce coming out and saying that basically the Euro elections had been declared a draw, as if that was some kind of fact that she had suddenly come up with. Absolutely unbelievable, right? The one thing the Euro elections were not is a draw. Uh, they were very roundly won by the Brexit party. And just to make things worse uh, for Labour and the Tories, who got absolutely smashed last weekend uh, by the Brexit party and by the Lib Dems, they have now been pushed into third position, believe it or not, uh, out there in a new poll which is out this morning. We're going to be talking uh, to uh, Alistair Carmichael, the Lib Dem MP for Orkney and Shetland, because the Lib Dems are now leading the charge uh, if there was an election tomorrow on 24%. The Brexit party coming in second on 22 uh, Labour and the Tories on 19%. I think this is the beginning of something. I said this last week, that this was the beginning of something to do with the end of the two-party system. I firmly believe that this is another nail in the coffin of that, and I want to hear from you as well. 0344 499 1000. Coming up, it is Friday, so it's time for the Perrier Awards, which, of course, is an homage to my brilliance in broadcasting. We'll be attempting to stay on the air for the entire three hours of the show as well, unlike yesterday. Uh, we'll also be telling you why smart meters are a complete and utter waste of time, and why a one particular Labour peer who has never spoken in the House of Lords is coining in £50,000 a year in expenses. What an absolute joke. 0344 499 1000 is the number. You'll listen to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, these are very troubling times for politicians. None of them know what to say. Many of them don't know what to do. Some of them are getting expelled from their own parties for voting for the wrong parties. Some of them are shifting parties. Some of them are starting new parties. Some of them are beginning to think that they won't have a job in Parliament for very much longer. It's a very, very difficult time. So I want you, please, to join me in expressing our condolences to many uh, MPs who are about to get the biggest shock of their lives the next time there's a general election. 0344 499 1000. Let's talk now uh, to Alistair Cam Carmichael, uh, who is a Lib Dem MP for Orkney and Shetland. Alistair, a very good morning to you. Welcome to the show. Good morning to you, mate. Thank you. How are you doing? Thank you very much. You can tell probably by my exuberance that I'm quite excited at this time uh, of the morning. And and not, not least because we appear to be kind of having a bit of a, a sea change in politics, which is perhaps long overdue. I congratulated the Lib Dems for doing so well in the Euro elections, mm -hmm. because they did. Um, but it looks as though that, uh, that sort of feeling is carrying through. I, I think it, it is, and I, I think it will do, unless and until the Conservative and the Labour parties uh, respond to the messages that the electorate are sending them. Now, even if they do, then there's no guarantee because once you have loosened people's uh, voting affiliations in the way that you saw last week in the European elections, but also in the way that we saw in Scotland with the Labour Party getting absolutely thumped in 2015 after the independence referendum there, um, you know, people like it. They, they realise that actually voting can make a difference if it's not always going to produce the same outcome and that's got to be good. 
That has got to be good because I was hearing an awful lot of uh, people saying that they were never going to vote again uh, and they particularly were never going to vote again if the referendum result was never enacted before anything else happened. And there's still some people who are saying that. But I wonder whether those people might have changed their view now, uh, having seen what happened in the Euro elections. I mean, despite the fact that it was a reasonable turnout for a Euro election, it's still quite a low turnout, isn't it? Yeah, it was still a low turnout, but it's higher than it has been in the past. So, you know, let's, let's hold on to some of the positives there. You know, I, I hope that the people that you're talking about, and I hear the same things as well, uh, even amongst my own constituents, which are generally much more in favour of remaining in the European Union, uh, I hope that they will feel that, they, you know, this is still a live debate and that they should continue to be part of it. You know, because if you're not going to go out and vote, then what is the alternative? You know, you remember uh, Winston Churchill's great line that democracy is the worst possible yes. system apart from all the others. Right, exactly right. And I'm interested as well, though, in the kind of uh, deconstruction, perhaps, of the way we vote now and whether that's ever going to change. Because even though there's a, there's a great thirst for change and a great thirst to, to throw out some MPs who are seen by some of their constituents as not doing the bidding for them, I suppose, if you like, i.e. people who are, um, you know, still voting yeah. to remain in the European Union when their constituents want to leave. I mean, under a two-party system, it's still pretty difficult to dislodge, you know, an official Labour Party man or woman, uh, and the same goes for a safe Tory seat. So, I mean, have you got as much hope... Uh, as this poll would suggest, that you can actually be first. Because one of the things that Lib Dem surges have always done previously is Lib Dems come second an awful lot, and so they don't get as many MPs as the representation of the vote really t suggests. Yeah, well, there's quite a lot to unpick there. First of all, on this point about uh, representation, your representation is an important part of democracy, but the other part of it is accountability, and it's standing up and going back to your voters three, four, five years later and saying, this is what I did, and this is why I did it. And, you know, that, that is going to cut both ways. You're talking about people in leave voting areas who are voting uh, to, to remain, but also there are people, you know, people like Dominic Ramp, for example, the, the former Brexit secretary, who represents a very strongly supporting, uh, sorry, so it remains supporting constituency, while he himself is an ardent leader. So, you know, the, the picture is, is complex. Will this carry on? Look, uh, the thing that we always say about polls, and it's one of the few things that's absolutely true about polls, is that they are a snapshot rather than a prediction. But they're a snapshot at the moment in a very particularly interesting moment in time because there is this great state of political flux. It's pretty clear that the Labour Party and the Conservative Party are getting squeezed from being in the middle at a time when politics is polarised yes. over this particular issue. And if they don't respond, then they're going to continue to be squeezed. And you're right about the difficulty in the past about Liberal Democrats being in second, so you, you finish up second everywhere. That's not happening now. There are an awful lot of areas you saw right across London last week where Liberal Democrats weren't second in doing well, they were first in doing well. And that's the game changer for us. If we can hold on to that then anything is possible. Yes. No, I think you're absolutely right. But I think the, 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 the conversation we were having earlier about, you know, uh, representation and whether or not individual MPs are doing the bidding for their constituents, I think that's a much bigger problem for Tory and Labour Party uh, members than it is for the Lib Dems, because the Lib Dems, generally speaking, I would say, are doing better and doing well in sort of remain voting areas, because you are the one consistent party who has said, we don't want to leave the European Union. And I've, and I've congratulated yeah. Lib Dem members before, because I think that's a very honest position to hold you know and whether you like it or not at least we know what you stand for whereas for a Labour Party member up in for example Andy McDonald I had on the other day uh, the shadow uh, front bench man from the Labour Party who represents Middlesbrough and he said to me despite the fact that most of uh, his constituency voted to leave the United uh, to leave the uh, United States of Europe or the European Union despite the fact that the Brexit Party beat Labour over the weekend in the Euro elections he said that if there was going to be a second referendum he would campaign to remain Mm -hmm. And I just think that's a massive problem for, for Labour. Well, it is a massive problem for them, and there's no getting away from it. And every day that they could try to, to continue this line of pushing both ways, then they are going to get hit in both faces. You know, so, you know, the Labour Party's problems are the Labour Party's problems, and, uh, you know, I'll leave them to come to terms with them. But there is no getting away from the fact that... Uh, we, we live in a, in a moment, and this is a particular issue, where you have to take a side. And, you know, by, by uh, 
by trying to ride both horses. They're Jeremy Corbyn yesterday still, after everything that happened with the Labour Party last week. Jeremy Corbyn's still saying, well, we'll we really go for a soft Brexit, i.e. a Brexit, uh, and uh, people's vote, well, we don't really think that's going to happen. You know, um, in one part of me wants to see him carry on, uh, you know, d- destroying his own party and letting them cannibalise themselves, because frankly, I uh, hold no brief for the Labour Party. But at the same time, it's got to be said that this is a time in our nation's history where, dear God, we really need an effective, properly functioning opposition in Parliament. And we're clearly not going to get that from the Labour Party for as long as Jeremy Corbyn is leader. Well, that would seem to be the case. And what do you make of the people? Uh, there seems to be a rather broad swathe of them. They've now got a hashtag of their own on uh, on Twitter who didn't vote for the Labour Party <laughs> and actually voted for you instead. I mean, there is a danger, I guess, from your point of view, that, that you're going to count those in and then they're going to leave and go back to where they came from. If the Labour Party changes, then they will give them a reason, a way back, to go, to go back to the Labour Party. But if the Labour Party doesn't change, then frankly, you know, people have made that big step. And remember, especially for somebody like Alistair Campbell, who is a really long, you know, lifelong Labour uh, member activist, has given his life to the Labour Party. Mm. It is for him an enormous step to go into a polling booth and vote for somebody else. And, and, you know, if people are doing that right across the country, and they have been, then having done that once, if Jeremy Corbyn doesn't uh, respond, then all he will do is he will harden the resolve to keep doing it until he listens. And, and, you know, before you know it, they're into a new voting uh, habit. Believe me, this is, you know, I'm not just hypothesising this. I've seen it happen before. For, you know, for the first 45 years of my life, it was a given that Scotland would vote Labour. And, you know, there was never any question of that. They lost touch with their own base. Uh, and they, uh, first of all, in the independence referendum in 2014, and then in the general election that followed in 2015, these traditional voting ties were so loosened that they were, they were virtually wiped out. And last week, quite remarkably, the Labour Party did not return a single member of the European Parliament from Scotland. You know, if you had told me that that was possible 10 years ago, mm. I would have laughed. Exactly. But there you are, it hardly raises an eyebrow today. Incredible, isn't it? And, and speaking of Scotland, we spoke to Ian Blackford the other day because uh, Nicola Sturgeon, of course, announced that uh, because she believes yeah. and the SNP believe that enough has changed dramatically uh, in real terms, they think it's time for them to have a second independence referendum. What do you say to them about that? Well, what I would say is you can ask Ian Blackford and Nicola Sturgeon just about any question, you know, what do you want in your coffee? And the answer is always going to be Scottish independence. <laughs> I think, actually, they've misjudged this one pretty badly. You know, just last week, they were telling people that this was a vote about Brexit and that if you voted SNP, then the one message that you would be sending was that you wanted to stop Brexit. This week, they're saying, oh, no, no, actually, what it really means is that we want a second independence referendum. Now, there were a lot of people who don't want independence for Scotland who lent their vote to the SNP last week and who will be really feeling betrayed by this uh, move by the SNP this week. So I think they will face a pretty significant backlash. You know, you'll never explain to me why it is so important that Scotland should be independent because we cannot share our sovereignty with three countries, England, Wales and Northern Ireland, with whom we share a language and a landmass, and somehow or another, we must share our sovereignty with 27 countries in continental Europe. It's just inconsistent. And surely, you know, the one thing that everybody can agree on that we've learned from the last couple of years is that if you are going to start breaking up political and economic unions, it's difficult and it gets messy. It's difficult breaking up a union that we've been part of for 40 years. What would it be like if you tried to unpick a very successful union that's lasted for over 300? Well, I did I did suggest that to him. He didn't really quite have an answer for that. Um, and finally, <laughs> finally, Alistair, uh, we're in the midst uh, of a sort of a Lib Dem surge, if you like, caused 
by some yeah. wags would say uh, the resignation of Vince Cable as soon as he announced <laughs> that he was leaving the leadership of the party. It's kind of been fueled by rocket fuel and, and gone absolutely stratospheric. So, I mean, uh, given that he's probably going to stick to his word, are you on mm -hmm. Joe Swinson's team? Are you are you backing somebody else? What's the story? Well, I on on Vince, I think just a little bit unfair. No doubt that <laughs> radio presenter reasons there. But, you know, he has really held this, the, the ship steady for a couple of years. He's 76. I think he's entitled to take his foot off the gas yeah. a bit. Although, you know, I know the man well enough that uh, he will still be there and thereabouts. You, you will not stop that, even if you wanted to. Um, am I going to be on Team Ed or Team Joe? Actually, I'm neither because I am the Liberal Democrat chief whip, which means I'm in charge of internal party discipline in the House of Commons. And, you know, we all know that when leadership elections start, the leadership election teams have a habit of getting just a little bit overexcited mm. sometimes. And somebody's got to hold the ring. And as chief whip, that will be my job. But, you know, I know both Ed, Ed and Joe, I have They've both been colleagues of mine for years. I think either of them could lead the party really well. And frankly, you compare the good-natured, orderly debate that we have, which is all really about style and strategy, rather than big ideological differences within the party, you compare that to the absolute shambles that you're seeing in the Tory party at the moment. And you have to think, you know, we're in a good place getting better I don't think you would say mm. that about the Tories today. Uh, tragic, tragically for the rest of us, they're actually supposed to be running the country, but uh, that's, oh, not, well, that's it, another it, story altogether. Yes, that's a tragedy on so many different levels. <laughs> <but> <laughs> it is. Listen, Alistair, have a great weekend. Thank you so much for talking to us. Alistair Carmichael, uh, Chief Whip for the Lib Dems, MP for Orkney and Shetland. Uh, he's not leaning towards any particular new leader, uh, but the Lib Dems are out in front in a YouGov poll, which has just been published today, 24% uh, of the vote goes to them uh, in the next general election if it all stays the same. Now, whether that means that people like Alistair Campbell and Cherie Blair will continue to vote Lib Dem is anybody's guess. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So, uh, not picking on David Brookman or anything, but it does seem to me to be particularly greedy uh, to claim the £305 a day that you get just for signing in. You can literally walk in the door, sign in and walk back out again, and that gets you 300 quid. You can claim travel expenses on top of that particular allowance. And basically, there's about £3.2 million being paid out in allowances to around about a third of the 800 peers uh, who basically don't do very much at all. They don't speak, they don't put down written questions, they just pick up the money as if they were entitled to it. Let's talk uh, to Willie Sullivan, uh, who is Director of Campaigns at the Electoral Reform Society. Willie, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you so Thanks. much for joining us. Now, you know, I sort of go backwards and forwards on my sort of view of, of whether the House of Lords is a good thing or a bad thing. I think lately it's become far too overstuffed with too many people. I think there's too many names going in there after we did away with largely speaking the hereditary peers. We seem to have got a little bit carried away on, on making people life peers. And it does yeah. seem to me that this system, which many people are now abusing, somehow needs to change, doesn't it? Yeah, Um Dramatically, yeah. um, I think when you come you you, you come to the, the the base of it all, and it is that we have a big part of our political democratic lawmaking system that is completely unelected. Um, so there's no accountability. They don't have to account to the people. They don't have to um, be on their best behaviour, if you like, because they're in there for life. They can do what they want. They don't have to. Um, you know, report back to anybody. They don't have to stand for election. So, um, you know, that's the bottom line. You have um, the second chamber of our uh, parliament that is just appointed. Well, it does seem a kind of slightly archaic system in this day and age. And while, you know, I'm all in favour of a second chamber, I think I'd prefer an elected second chamber rather like the one uh, system they have in the US. Or most other democracies, yeah. to be honest with you. Right. Um, it's, it, it is a throwback to, uh, you know, an, an ancient time, really. Um, why have we got a, a system where people, you know, the majority of them are, well, not the majority of them, but over a third of them are ex-politicians or party apparatchiks. Right. And, and many of them have been, have been experts. Yeah, and they've been anointed in the same way that the, the hereditary peers used to be anointed many centuries ago by the king because they'd yeah. done something nice for the king. 
Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it harks back to that time of the divine right of kings, you know, God, king, parliament, and then the House of Lords. Um, uh, so yeah, it's just that the, 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 it doesn't go down through their through their um, through their uh, bloodline, but mm. you know, it's just it's the same as they're anointed and put in there by yeah. by the prime minister. Um, without recourse to the people or any sort of democratic process. And do you think? And, I mean, I think I think you know our our political system's legitimacy is hugely in question. I mean, we're we're governed by consent, and that means that people have to have trust in that system. And I think that's fast disappearing. And the House of Lords is a kind of big symbol of that. So I think a, a really good thing, first step, if you wanted to be radical and trying to give some sort of legitimacy and trust back to our democratic system would to be abolish the House of Lords and replace it with an elected chamber. Yes. And, I mean, what is the impediment to doing that? Are there... Uh, is there I mean, I'm sure there are people out there, probably many of them in the House of Lords, who don't want you to yeah. do that. But, I mean, are there people in politics who don't want that to happen who still argue that the House of Lords fulfils a very, very good purpose? Yeah, um, I mean, the, you know, you have these networks of connections. As I said, if over a third of those people that are sitting in there are ex-party senior politicians or apparatchiks, then they're, they're heavily connected into the existing political party system. So they've got favours, friendships, all of those sort of things. So it's quite difficult to, to, to shift that system. And when attempts have been made, you know, there's all sorts of, like, straw-man arguments that are thrown up, but actually... They're about protecting a set of interests and status quo and people being able to claim, you know, hundreds of pounds a day for just showing up. You yeah. Know? You know, in some ways you go, well, why wouldn't they protect that? But, but, but and, that's, and that is the question. You, you want a system that, that makes, makes people behave, be the best selves. And, uh, and we've got a system that allows people to be their worst selves yes. at the moment. Well, that's the trouble. And, I mean, the other problem for me is that there doesn't appear to be a kind of ceiling on the number of people that are going in there. I mean, it's all very well saying, oh, well, people are living longer now. Well, I'm not sure that's the only reason. But how the hell did we get to 800 members of the House of Lords? It's a ridiculously unwieldy number. Yeah, well, the, well each Prime Minister that comes in obviously tries to make up the numbers yeah. to um, make sure that they can get their legislation through easier. And it just it's just grown and grown. And we've now got, the you know, the second largest kind of chamber in the world next to the People's Republic of China. Um, you know, other other chambers are around about two or three hundred of European countries similar size to the UK, but ours just grows and grows because you can't really retire. Um, you can retire if you want to, but, um, you know, most people don't. And, um, you know, they, they just live longer and more and more people get appointed. Right. And what about the idea that um, uh, I was looking at India the other day when they had their election, and they were talking about millions and hundreds of millions of people in a, in a vast yeah. country, and per head of population, they have far fewer representatives in their parliament than we have. Yeah, um, and it is, a, as you say, it's a huge country with a massive electorate. Uh, but, um, I mean, I think, you know, this, the size of our elected politicians is fine, but uh, we, we need a second chamber that probably better represents you know the the the, the bits of England English regions and the nations of the UK because yeah. it, that 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 would be a a kind of senate of the nations and regions and and maybe even English local government represented in there. There's lots of ways to do it that would make it. You know, an enhancement to a democracy yeah. instead of an embarrassment. Well, that's right. I mean, because we've been talking this morning in the first hour of the show about the way that the kind of political landscape is changing by the week at the moment. For me, suggests yeah. that there's something that's going to happen that will alter the way we look at the two-party system in this country. You know, the Lib Dems are currently leading a poll. The Brexit Party did brilliantly at the uh, Euro elections. We're looking at a kind of sort of dissolution, if you like, maybe based on the lines of Brexit, of the two-party system. And so, in a way, the House of Lords kind of two-party system, I know they've got a lot of crossbenchers and all of that, yeah. is kind of not fit for purpose really anymore, is it? I think you could say that the whole Westminster system's not really fit for purpose. No, that's true. I mean, we, you, 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 you know, we've had... Lots of devolution round about it. There's been lots of reforms. Society, our economies have, have changed dramatically, but yeah. Westminster's kind of stayed still. I think that's because that's where power sits. So, if the last place to kind of, you know, the the, the, the last castle to defend itself um, is is the place where, where where power sits, so that's managed to resist all the dynamics and forces that are changing everything else. Yeah. But the the danger of that obviously is that's our seat of democracy, and that's what people think about as democracy and. 
and democracy gets a bad name uh, or our political system gets a bad name and undermine unless they decide to catch up with the 21st century. Indeed. And, and, and you know, you know, most people aren't, don't fit neatly into two political parties. I mean, that was fine when there was like a big class division, you know, decades right. ago. But, you know, in Scotland, we've got a parliament that is elected under PR and, and, and you know, there's five odd parties in there. Um, so, and, 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 and they work together fine, and I think that... But would you describe you know, the Scottish Parliament as true consensus politics? Because it seems to be like that sometimes, but not all the time. No, it's not It's not consensus politics, and we've got, like, you know, big divisions in politics. Politics is about where people disagree, you know, mm. that, 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 that's part of it. But it's how you disagree and how you come to a solution. And I just think, and, and, and being reflective of your society... Uh, and communities is really, really important. And yeah. I think Westminster just looks like, and particularly the House of Lords, just looks like a, 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 a group of uh, rich elites who are kind of living off the public yeah. purse. And, and, and more and more recently, they've become like um, people who are no longer public servants, but who are kind of, you know, in, in charge of us. They've somehow flipped the coin and made out that they're now the people that know everything and we're just the idiots that, that pay for them to be there. And I wonder uh, as well whether or not um, we'll ever reach an impasse, uh, a breaking situation about Brexit in Parliament as long as we've got the same MPs there. Because I say to MPs all the time, your job is to take difficult problems and complicated issues and find a solution, which is precisely what they're not doing. And they yeah. keep saying, oh, well, Brexit's very complicated. Well, get on with it and find a solution, which is what they yeah. won't do. How would you how yeah. would you fix the House of Lords? I mean, how would you constitute it? And would it cost a, a massive amount of money to do away with the one we've got? No, I mean, we've, we, we've just re uh, launched a report called Beyond Brexit, right. um, uh, Reform in Westminster. I mean, it's on, on our website. But it's actually... Um, We've not got a, a set model um, because there's lots of different options. Uh, we've done some comparative stuff from, from, from around the world. But I think something that represents the nations of the UK, something that represents English local government, um, perhaps you could have um, you know, uh, uh, elements from uh, different uh, parts of society so that you can make sure that it's truly representative. You know, if you're starting... If you abolish it and start with a blank sheet of paper, you could make something that's truly kind of uh, innovative mm. for uh, British politics. And would you and see I don't, as... I, I don't think there's a... You know, there's ways of um, making sure that the legislative process works smoothly through that, through that if, you th if you think it through and spend a bit of time and involve the right people. And given that we probably won't be having any more Euro elections, or at least I hope we're not, um, yeah. we, we wouldn't be asking people to vote any more times if we said to them, well, I'll tell you what, take what we used to do for a Euro election and make that the second chamber election. Yeah, and you could have long, longer terms. You know, you could have, like, seven-year terms or, um, you know, all that stuff should be up for discussion and debate. We should involve people in that. We could have citizens' assemblies to discuss it. Um, and then people would feel like they'd really kind of shaped and had a hand in uh, making their uh, democratic system and not something that was handed on down from God to the king. Yes, it does seem a little bit like that, doesn't it? It does seem yeah. as though if you're not in the club, you're never getting into it. Yeah, yeah, mm. exactly. It's a, like a private members' club. Yes, which needs to be shut down. Yeah, needs to be shut down and let's have something that's fit for the 21st century and people feel um, they trust and has some legitimacy. Yeah. And, 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 and it'd be a great counter to, you know, this, this huge breakdown in trust that we've had over the Brexit situation where people go, like you said, you're supposed to sort this out and mm. you can't. And it's, I think it's a systemic problem. Um, you know, it's not, it is partly to do with individuals, but the individuals are working within that kind of uh Westminster system that is not really set up for, 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 for making these sort of complicated decisions. Quite. And as you said, I think that feeling that we're getting, we're, we're ruled by people instead of them being public servants, it's, it's probably kind of always been like that. I just think that the, the amount of information that we have now and the, and the, the kind of fracture point of Brexit has just shown everybody, just exposed it mm, all. I think it has. If people want to look at your paper, uh, Willie, where do they go? Um, it's the electoral www.electoral-reform.org.uk. Okay. And if you Google it, you'll find it'll come up. All right, great. Thanks very much indeed. Willie Sullivan there, Senior Director of Campaigns at the Electoral Reform Society. 
It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Coming up, we're going to look ahead to Donald Trump's visit because it kicks off next week. There's some news breaking that he's going to meet up with a bunch of uh, chief executives of various companies in this country. Uh, we're going to talk to Will Geddes about all the security around it as well because uh, I've got a little story to tell you from my trip to Westminster yesterday. Charles says, 20 years ago, I felt that the hereditary peers system worked reasonably well and I was sorry to see all but the 92 go. However, now I think it has become far worse than it was ever with hereditary peers. I think the upper house should now be elected on 50% every five years for a 10 10-year term. Well, there's certainly something it's got to give. You can't just keep adding more and more people in there and expecting it to work properly. Let's talk to Gerard. Who's, oh, hang on, hang on. There is a need to go to the Brexit countdown clock uh, because the alarm has sounded uh, and the alarm normally suggests that something may have happened to change the countdown clock. Let's have a listen to see whether we're any closer to nothing happening on Brexit. going to be the 1st of June tomorrow. Ever closer we get to the October 31st. Still nothing happening. Uh, still the same old sound. Let's talk to Gerard in Crewe instead. Hello, Gerard. Well, Michael, you're a bit of a wind-up mansion, you are, aren't you? Then well, listen, I'm just glad to be on the air, mate. You know, a lot of people well, thought I'd, I'd passed away yesterday. Well, I was one of those that just said to your <laughs> new young lady there that... Uh, I was there checking his uh, Twitter feed because I thought they had that defibrillator on your chest that you contained <laughs> on the day before. I mean, I'm not quite sure how to feel about the fact that so many people thought I might have expired. I mean, I don't know whether that means you all think I'm literally at death's door uh, or whether it's just something that's bound to happen one of these days. Well, I was just being a bit selfish. I thought I might, if you weren't on, I might have to go over to the village idiot. Oh, God. God. No, don't do that. Don't no, do that. No, I'd join you on the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely right. What do you want to say? Well, regarding the... Well, I think on both sides, the House of Lords and the House of Commons, they're in for a world of pain. Yeah. There is a sea change coming. The, 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 people have just had enough. In my case, I won't be going back. There's no way I'm going back to the major two. Mm. Because, it, because over the past 10, 15 years, it's not just Brexit. I mean, you had a discussion yesterday about vets and doctors yeah. and shortages and nurses. Well, who's been responsible for that? It hasn't been the Brexit party. It's no. been the people who've been there. This is all down to them. They've mucked so many things up. They've wasted so much money. Today, you covered the story on metres, 11 yeah. billion. For what? Yes. It's mad, isn't yeah. it? And also, yeah. if you think about it, go back through the, the, the years. I mean, when was the last time we had a government that you could say, oh, they were good? I can't no, remember you, one. You can't. So it's time for a change. You know, I think that's filtered through to people's bones now and said, you know what? Could it be any worse? Yeah. Let's try something else. And if the Brexit Party wants an idea, which I'll give them for free, how about the abolition of the House of Lords? Completely. Yeah, I think you're absolutely onto something there, Gerard. I mean, whether we reconstitute it as something else, I'm not sure. But certainly it is not fit for purpose now. The idea they've got 800 people in there and a third of those people don't even bother ever speaking or ever putting down a written question. Can I just give you one thing to do, if you get the chance, if you want to get your blood pressure high, like I do with Question Time every night yeah. as well as you want to watch it. Well, there's an interview going around of Baroness Wheatcroft. Oh, yes. That she did yesterday. Yes. 
and you will see the disdain that these people have for us. I know. Outside the London bubble. I mean, it was pure disdain. It, uh, basically, we're, we're sick, we're stupid, we, we, got it, we all got it wrong, and that she wouldn't really want to travel outside the, the M25 bubble because it's an awful place. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Have a listen to that, Mike. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen some there. references to it, but I haven't actually watched the whole thing. Gerard, thank you very much indeed for your call. 0344 499 1000. More and more you hear, particularly on this show, uh, that people are fed up with the status quo. They are fed up with the way that politicians talk down to them. Uh, they're fed up with the way that politicians ignore them. And why on earth should we be subsidising the rather lavish lifestyle of all of these uh, people in the House of Lords who don't appear to do very much of anything, do they? Let's talk to Ricky in Glasgow. Hello, Ricky. Hello, this, this is not a holograph, not from yesterday's performance, no. Do you mean, a, holo you do you mean a hologram? <laughs> okay, hologram. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to make no, a joke, me. just make right. sure it's got the right ending. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you ruin my joke? Listen, I'm anyway. fine. I'm, thanks for your, thank you for your kind thoughts. Were you one of those who thought I'd uh, gone to the other side? Well, no, I'm not talking about. We felt sorry. You know, it was sad to see Mike go. You know. Yeah, well, I was but, sorry uh, too. I thought I'd been taken <laughs> off the air deliberately. Some form of sabotage. <laughs> uh, wasn't it me? Wasn't me? Wasn't okay, me. then. Let's listen. We haven't got a lot of time, so what do you want to say? Right. Your House of Lords. Yes. We keep the House of Lords. Uh, as an unelected body, uh -huh. right, uh, and it's hereditary. The advantage is therein that the firstborn girl now qualifies for a place in the House of Lords through the hereditary system. Uh -huh. It means they don't have to bend the knee to uh, the newspapers, the media, or the, the Republic of uh, Mike Graham. Uh -huh. uh, and it's an independent body that uh, can act on honesty. And it's deserved. Yeah, well, hang on. We, we tried all that, didn't I'm we? Not, I, no, say, hey, hey, I'm not in your republic yet, you know. <laughs> but carry on, as you say. Go well, on. get on with it. <laughs> I said, well, it's as simple as that. The hereditary system. Yeah, but uh, well, we've had the hereditary system. We did away with it well. because there were too many people. Well. well, no, because there were too many people just thinking they had a uh, God given right to go and sit there just because their dad sat there. Yes. Yes, that's not that system worked. That's you can't. Worked. No, it didn't. It did not work <laughs> at all. You must be joking. Well, the one you've got now, you know, we, we can only place it with the Republic of yes. Israel. And my God, who's, well, listen, you know, there's no doubt that they've managed to replace it with something worse. But that's par for the course in this country. You know, they've managed to do away with something and actually keep some of the hereditary peers as well. By the way, so there's still some of them there. So they've made a complete hash of it. Yeah, I know they have, but that, well, they're elected. I mean, you want to elect these people. You know, the, the electorate uh, uh, should be avoided with the, what, the, what we've got in their eyes open and with the people. Yeah. So we can't complain. No, I'm for the residency system, right. the Lords. Okay. And let the girls have a choice, of, a chance now of being right. put on the you've, you've obviously You've obviously been uh, smoking those funny cigarettes again, Ricky. But thank you very much for your call. 0344 499 1000. Uh, Ricky says he'd rather go back to the registry system. He's actually got a point. It wasn't as bad then as it is now. Uh, I'm not quite sure about the first-born girl scenario, though. I'm not quite sure where he was going with that. But, of course, that would have to be true. It would be the first-born person, girl or boy, who was the person who would be the hereditary peer. I'm not keen on hereditary sort of, you know, jobs, I'm afraid. You know, why should my son get this job when I've gone the next time they cut me off? That's what we're talking about. It is 12.33. It is Friday. It is time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. There's that new music again, which uh, signals not only are we in a new building, but we're still on the air. And it's 12.33, so congratulations to everyone in the production team uh, who've managed to keep us on the air uh, so far for just about two and a half hours. And let's hope we can make it till one o'clock. Uh, Con Mendes is here. Hello. Very good afternoon to you. Welcome good back. Good afternoon. Thank you. Cheers. Did you have a nice day off yesterday? Yeah, it was, yes. yeah, it was all right. Thank Excellent. You. Cheers. You missed a bit of drama here. Uh, so mm. I hear. Yes. Well, shall we begin? Shall we? Welcome once more to the Perry Awards. Thank you. Uh, this is where we go back over the past week of the so-called Independent so Republic of Mike Graham and choose our very favourite moments. Mm. Uh, let's just begin. As is tradition, yes. Mike, uh, you win the first Perry. You win the award for ignored comment of the week for when you were speaking to Drew Hendry of the SNP. Well, we've got three seats out of six, but using the DeHaunt system, as you may know from the vagaries of that, it's extraordinarily difficult I thought there was something out of Star together. Wars, the Hoth system. This, 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 is a, this is a massive result, and Scotland has... 
He just didn't get it, did he? <laughs> he didn't dignify What is the Dehont system? The Dehont system. Yeah, what is that? Uh, it sounds Scottish. Yeah. Right. Um, Careful. Uh, a new category this week. Uh, notepad reaching moment of the week now. <laughs> That goes to Labour's Andy McDonald, who had all our listeners scrabbling for pen and paper. It makes it more difficult to rescue no, no, the company, it, doesn't it? It, it? it really, really doesn't. There's research and development, there's regional assistance, there's environmental, as I described here. It, it's Article 107, subparagraph 3, subsection B. <laughs> he could have been making it up, of course. I couldn't challenge him on it because yeah, I didn't yeah. know if he was. Oh, you're not a big fan of Article 107. I never got that far in. Paragraph no, section. No, I never B. got that far no. in. Oh, OK, never mind. Uh, sticking with uh, Andy McDonald, you and him won the Perrier for debate of the week for yes. this clash. Mm. Um, and I even the even the most well, even the people, uh, even, even the, the well, most hard and Brexit. No, uh, no, let me finish the point. Let me finish the point. Even the most. People come on who expect to be able to finish the point. I mean, haven't they listened to the show before? Uh, and might you also win the Perrier for promise of the week for yes. this doozy? Mm. Best economic outcome for all of our people, and that's got to be our focus. And just finally, 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 honestly, I promise. Because <laughs> I think I'd How already said finally, finally once, so you know, I was trying to be fair and honest. Uh, Two things you wouldn't understand. It's <laughs> an accusation. Uh, well, in in the interest of fairness, let's go over to the Conservative Party let's now. Do it. Uh, that's right. We've managed to poke fun at them today. Uh, Albert, Co- uh, sorry, Alberto Costa, MP, wins Crawler of the Week. Alberto, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning, Mike. Always a pleasure to be on your excellent show. Thank you very much indeed. We like Alberto a lot. We get him on plenty of times because he loves the show. I wonder if people say that at the start of the show, at the start of the interview, so you don't give them as hard a time. It doesn't work. No. Um, Well, it's about time we have one of our lovely callers picking up the area. Mike in Cheshire wins the award for the weirdest start to a call. Mike is in Cheshire. Hello, Mike. Hi. Hi. Good afternoon. Yeah, how are you doing? I'm, I'm not too bad, not too bad. I've got a badger in my back garden that keeps ragging me lawn up. So a badger? I'm to <laughs> Billy badger, yeah. How do you get rid of a badger? <laughs> oh, either lion manure, but I'm afraid I haven't got any of that. Or oh. you reckon human, human male urine. Really? OK. <laughs> yeah. oh, good luck with Close that. To Google. OK, yeah. all right. Didn't anyway, work for me. I what's drank... your point, caller? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A badger in your back garden ragging up your lawn. That sounds painful. It does, doesn't it? Um, earlier in the week, we had Emma, the CEO of First Aid for Life. Uh, she was in with Annie the Mannequin. Yes. Uh, to show us just how easy it is to use a defibrillator. Uh, it was just all so easy, isn't it, Mike? That was the point. Mm. You win the missed point of the week. But you want to limit the amount of time that you're not pushing on the mm. chest, because pushing on the chest is really important. OK. All right, good. Well, we're going to be uh, taking a little stop here because uh, this is quite complicated, so we're going to set it all up. It's not complicated. <laughs> it's really easy. Yeah, but it's complicated doing it on the radio. <laughs> and also, uh, presumably, taking a break's not what you should be doing while trying to save the life of Annie the Mannequin. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, Just I'll be right back. Playing some adverts. Yeah, after uh, this. Um, uh, you also win Mantra of the Week for your positive outlook. I'm sure I can manage it. I'm sure I can save Annie. It's easy. I'm sure I can save Annie. And if I can't, you know, I don't know, what do you, what do, you do if you can't save them? Well, you can't save everyone. No, that's what I say. <laughs> you do always say that. He dies, that. he dies. First, yeah, first thing, you walk into the building and you go... If you can't save someone's life, oh well. Oh well. Well, What are you going to do? It could be quite traumatic, though, if you try and save someone's life and it doesn't work. Oh, yeah, absolutely. No, of course. Uh, Mm. This next moment, however, had us all howling with laughter in the control room. It's from the same interview. It's question of the week and it goes to you, Mike. And then it will reanalyse the heart rhythm to see if you've put them back Uh and saved their lives. And so what normally would happen, for example, when the shock is delivered... They will would jump. You, would you normally see the patient get it, sit up or, or jump up? Or? No, don't expect them to come back to life okay. immediately. Right. Well, why, is that, why is that so funny? You just expect them to pick up their briefcase and continue well, on maybe, to work. Maybe. I don't know. I've never done it before. That's why I was asking stupid questions. Oh, brilliant. Let's see you trying to save somebody's life. You'd probably oh, be well. off that day. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and finally, as you've mentioned, yes. I was off yesterday, yes. so I missed the moment of the week. And that has been won by our lovely studio. So why isn't he taking out a private prosecution against George Osborne uh-huh. that lied continually 
uh, that you know people are going to lose their jobs. Yes. The GDP is going to go down. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. And he was the Chancellor Exchequer that had access to all the information. <laughs> Hello. 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 The bottomless brunch. <laughs> That's the first time I've actually heard how that all sounded. Oh, it wasn't good, really, was well, it? Well, I take one day off. Goodness, we've recovered. <laughs> yeah, um, that was so fun. Let's hear it again. Yeah, so on. why isn't he taking out a private prosecution against George Osborne uh-huh. that lied continually uh, that you know people are going to lose their jobs, yes. the GDP is going to go down, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, and he was the Chancellor Exchequer that had access to all the information. Hello? <laughs> Hello? 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 <laughs> Is it me you're that would have made more sense if they'd played that. <laughs> Dear God. And then the trails that just went on and on and on forever. Oh, it's great. I love, anyway, listen, I love hearing about John Nicholson touring the party fault. lane. It's just one of those, um, you know, glitches that sometimes happen when you work in live broadcasting, it you know? It just occasionally happens. TVing problems. I it... think there's about four people being fired, but aside from that, oh, you know, excellent. It's, it's I was off, any so damage it's not at all. my fault. Right. Um, uh, that's it for the Perry Awards. Thank you very much. There'll be more next week. The Perry Awards on Talk Radio. Let's talk about something different, though, now, because uh, turmeric tablets are things which people are starting to take themselves because they've decided that actually turmeric is an amazing uh, herb and something that can make you, um, not make you healthy, but uh, retain your good health. And it could give your pet a new lease of life. We're going to talk now uh, to Marnie uh, Jahangiri, uh, who is uh, an author and the UK's leading founder of Doga. Marnie, a very good uh, afternoon to you. Welcome. Hello, hi. Very welcome, nice, welcome. Very nice, to, very nice to talk to you. Now, doga sounds intriguing. I'm not an aficionado of yoga, I'm afraid, but but my dog uh, might be interested in doing it. In which case, I might do it with him. Yes, absolutely. Actually, it is more reverse. So you go to yoga because you need the yoga. Yeah. The dog doesn't need yoga because their bodies can figure themselves out. But the mm. thing is is that when you do your yoga and you relax and you stop breathing correctly and relaxing, your dog starts relaxing. And that prolongs their lifespan. You know, you do help each other because you're so entwined. You're so, um, your dog follows you in everything. Oh, that's true. (laughs) I mean, mean, dogs are so so good at kind of defining their own mood by yours, aren't they? And they're very good at also having a personality which is similar to yours as well. Oh, yeah. And they pick up on your stress levels. Yes. That's the most important. And so if, you know, if yoga prolongs your lifespan because you're lengthening your breath, then your dog is affected by that. Too. And you can help him. And he helps with digestion and sleep. And there's massage as well. There's canine massage. Is there? Okay. Yeah, there is. So uh, if a dog has arthritis, then we do very gentle massages in the backs of the legs. Okay. Like and what, and what about the, the, the use of turmeric? And, 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 and it, it, what do you do with that with, with regards to a dog? Would you, would you give them like straight turmeric that you uh, would normally put in a curry? Would you, would you give them tablets? Yeah. What? I think it's fine. A small dose of turmeric wouldn't be a problem at all. I, I think, uh, you know, like a, a whole bottle of it would be probably not, not a great idea, you know. But I think you can give them as many health supplements uh, just in smaller quantities, obviously registered by a vet, you know, that kind of thing. But I was even thinking about giving my dog collagen because I work for Gold Collagen. Oh, yeah. Um, not actually promoting the product here at all. But I did ask, you know, my boss, I said, could, could even my dog have a hydrolyzed collagen, fish collagen, just a tiny bit, ah. you know, in, in, in his food? He said, yeah, I can't see a problem. Why and not? what would that a do? tiny then? bit. Well, collagen uh, helps with flexibility and elasticity in the okay, joints. right. Yeah, it hydrolyzes. And so, so is this something uh, that we should all think about doing, say, for example, with the dog before the arthritis sets in because I've got a lab, I've got a Labrador, for example, which is almost certainly going to probably get arthritis at some point. Absolutely, I would. The most important is exercise. It is exercise, hydrotherapy, especially hydrotherapy. Come to yoga to do stress. Take your supplements and give your dog the correct amount of supplements as well. It, preventing that definitely a few years prior, definitely with Labradors especially. Okay. And yeah, I mean, is there, is there any other sort of benefits to the, hu- I mean, obviously human people, human people, humans are taking uh, more turmeric as well uh, uh, <laughs> and to keep them sort of healthy. What's, what is it actually, what's the quality that it has? What is it, what, what is it that's so good? I think it's 
an antiseptic, isn't it? It's, it's Is everything. It? It's an antioxidant, antiseptic. It's really good for the kidneys. It stimulates the kidneys, the digest, you know, the functioning of kidneys. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? It's for everything, for flu, for, for, for I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I haven't tried it yet. I'm so sorry. Now, I have to ask you the very obvious question when it comes to yoga and dogs. Can you get your yeah. dog to do the downward dog? course they always imitate the downward dog when you're in downward dog they imitate the downward dog because they think you're a dog right. <laughs> and we also breathe like dogs you know in our classes it's something called breath of fire where you stick your tongue out and you pant and this is actually a traditional yoga uh, breathing exercise right. but it looks like a dog panting and they, they get very excited when we do that oh, okay so <laughs> do you have classes dog. and you've got dogs kind of all around the room yes then? we have loads wow. of dogs they're all off lead all the accidents can happen and they can misbehave, they right. don't have to behave. What we do is it's a long class, about 90 minutes, and they all sort of run around and they do whatever they want and it is chaos. And then halfway through class, they just settle and they start sitting on your mat and you can just do poses with them, lift them or bend over. If it's a large dog, you don't lift them. No, you don't lift them. Right. Uh, you, you do poses over the dog. But usually they love yoga. They love to be integrated, incorporated on the mat. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. Well, is, have you got a book out or something that people can see yeah. all about this? Tell us about it. Yes, I've got a book on Amazon. It's going now for £400 because it's the final edition. That's it a lot of money for a book. <laughs> I'd expect a don't free worry, yoga lesson as well. First. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's uh, on Amazon. You can get Doga Yoga for You and Your Dog. It's hardback. It's okay. a copy. Great gift. And also, I have to tell you the most important thing we have. I fa- I'm a founder of International Doggy Yoga Day. Dog okay. Yoga Day, June 21st. Okay. Um, importantly, it's International Yoga Day on that day, but it's also sadly the beginning of the Dog Meat Festival in China. Oh goodness. So yes, there we go. Uh, and they also eat turmeric, which, which yeah, anyway. Um, and we're going to combine, we're going to combine the yoga against the Yulin Festival. So okay. it's yoga for love around the globe. There's a class at the Shoreditch Hotel. Very nice. Uh, sorry, excuse me, Curtain Hotel. Curtain Hotel. Curtain Hotel in, in Shoreditch. Yeah. In so Shoreditch just turn up with the dog and, and uh, get but in there. Buy yourself a ticket uh, on internationaldogaday.com. Okay. But, um, yeah, please, everybody come and support us. It doesn't matter how good you are at yoga or how good your dog is at yoga. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, listen, I shall look forward to doing that. Marnie, thank you very much indeed. Marnie uh, Jahangiri uh, talking about doga, right, which is obviously uh, dog yoga. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.